0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 35 of the Hang Time with healthy podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. I've been away for too long, but I'm back again. That's right, I had a little hiatus, but we're back on the grind. We're doing it. Let's get right to it. Topic number one. First thing, since I've been away for so long, the World Series is already over. That's right. A couple weeks ago, the Los Angeles Dodgers are world champions. They defeated the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. Congrats to the Dodgers. You know, good for them. They were the better team. You know, they just had way more talent all around the lineup, up and down. Just I think they just had a better overall roster than the Tampa Bay Rays did. I mean, you can just see it from the payroll. They pay guys more money. Had a lot of young, up-and-coming talent, though, too. A lot of homegrown talent, too, from the Dodgers. Like Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger. You know, they just had a lot of guys who have been with the Dodgers organization their entire career. And then, you know, plug-and-play a few guys like Mookie Betts. Justin Turner, bring him in, make a difference for us, boom. You're winning champions. Mookie Betts winning his second championship. Dodgers, first championship since 1988. 32-year hiatus. Good for them, you know. They should be happy. They spend all that money and they finally win a world championship. They've been so close. Every year, they have been so close for the past few years. Remember, 2016. They lost in the uh, National Championship League Series against my Chicago Cubs 2017. They went all the way to the World Series and lost to the Trash Can Bangers, the Houston Asterix. 2018, same thing, they lost again. (laughs) They lost again in the World Series, they lost twice. (laughs) <laughs> oh, incredible. What well, They they lost to the Red Sox. 2019, they didn't even make it to the World Series. They lost to the team that would go on to win the World Series in the Washington Nationals. And then here it is. 2020, shortened season, expanded postseason. Dodgers look like the best team all the way through. They won the World Championship. Uh I'll tip my cap to the Dodgers. I wanted to see the Rays do it. My prediction was the Rays in seven. I think that could have been a big possibility. I think we were looking that direction for most of game six. Game six looked like the Rays were in control. It was a one-run game. Rays were up. You know, we go to the sixth inning. Blake Snell, I got to tell you, the former Cy Young was pitching an absolute gem. The man had given up one hit. entering the sixth inning. Had given up one hit. Had one hit, one base run. The entire game struck out nine guys. And oh, what do we do? Okay, he gives up his second hit after getting an out in the first step back. Gives up a hit. Boom. Kevin Cash going right to the bullpen. Up comes Mookie Pets. Now the logic of thinking the Rays have relied a lot on analytics and what analytics tell you about your starting pitcher you never want to see a lineup face him three times that's what we're told that's what analytics tells you anytime a batter sees a pitcher three times he's going to get better Uh, that's that's just uh, analytics that's what we're told you know you only let your starting pitcher go five innings and that's it then you pull him out that's why really that's why we don't see any complete games anymore that's why we don't see pitchers too often going to the seventh eighth ninth inning when it comes to pitching it just doesn't happen because analytics have changed the game it's changed the way the teams run themselves how organizations run the team how managers decide to play the lineup card make bullpen changes a lot more relying on their bullpen No, you can just see it in the years if you've watched baseball. So Kevin Cash instantly. Blake Snell gives up a base hit and instantly, like without even like questioning it, before the guy even touches first base, Kevin Cash is walking out to the pitcher's mound to change pitchers. And Blake Snell, oh you should just go look up the video of Blake Snell seeing Kevin Cash come out there and he just dropped a nice old F-bomb. What are you doing? Why are you taking me out? I'm pitching the best game of this season to this point for me. And I get it. Blake Snell had never pitched past the fifth inning in any game this season. Shortened season, understandable. The Rays relied a lot on their bullpen. That's what they were. That's the kind of team that they are. But this is the problem with analytics. It clouds people's judgment of what should know about the game in baseball if your pitcher is rolling and the team you're facing against is struggling to hit him and are striking out not making a lot of contact if they're making contact it's weak contact not getting anyone in scoring position if they're doing all of that if your pitcher's playing that well even if he gives up one hit you keep him in there even if he gives up two hits You give him the chance that he can get out of the jam. It's what you do. I've never seen it where a team, and it's really been this change in the past few years where baseball has all of a sudden changed. We're like, well, you get into any trouble, you're done. Oh, third time through the order, you're done. And that's what it was. They came up top of the order. Mookie Betts was up. Kevin Cash goes to the bullpen. Let's bring in the righty. Here's the problem. Mookie Betts is worse at hitting lefties than he is righties. And it's like a wide margin, too. He hits like 200. His batting average is 200 against left-handed pitchers. He does not hit left-handed pitching well. What does he hit really well? He hits fastballs really well, and he hits right-handed pitchers really well. As a matter of fact, I think Betts hit like 390 on the year against right-handed pitchers who predominantly throw fastballs. I think against right-handed fastballs, he hit like 395. That's great. (laughs) That's almost 400. That's incredible. So even the analytics, the numbers don't even back up what the decision was, other than like, well, third time through the order we got, I gotta pull Snell. I gotta pull him. It it changed the aspect of the game, because sure enough, what happens? They bring in the new pitcher, the right-handed guy, Betts gets a hit, off a fastball, hits, an arc, hits a double to left field. Now we got runners at third and second. Oh, wild pitch, ties the game. Oh, grounder to first, Betts is so fast he scores, just in the pitching change, in two batters, it went from Rays winning 1-0, Blake Snell is dominating, Rays are looking good to, uh oh Dodgers just took the lead and the Rays don't have the bats to come back even in a one run game, that's what I was saying and it was just drastic, how the momentum shifted once Snell came out of the game once Yell yelled his obscenity of why he's coming out, that's what changed it. The baseball gods did the Rays no justice. They were like, you know what? You're pulling your ace? Okay, Dodgers, your time. Take control of this game. And that's what they did. And then from then on, bing, bang, boom. Dodgers go on to win the series. I truly believe if Kevin Cash leaves Blake Snell out there, lets his ace keep wheeling and dealing, doing his thing, that the Rays force game seven, and you never know what can happen from there. My prediction was Rays in seven. I expected the series to go seven games. It looks like it was set up to go seven games. Kevin Cash got in the way of that. Analytics got in the way of it. But when you look at the numbers, the analytics didn't even say to change pitchers. Analytics would have said keep Snell out there, Against Betts, Betts doesn't hit well against lefties. Blake Schnell is lefty. I, you, you gotta, you gotta ride with your guys. You gotta ride with your ace. I know he hasn't pitched that much, but come on. Uh, I don't want to say the Rays blew it. Dodgers definitely won this, but that was one of the biggest one blund- managerial blunders in baseball history. Was taking out Blake Schnell. when you didn't need to take him out. You could have kept him in the game. You could have kept him in the game, and it could have changed the dynamic of the series. Game seven in the World Series at a neutral site, you never know what's going to happen. But the city of Los Angeles is the city of champions this year of 2020. And the Lakers just won the championship earlier in October, and now the Dodgers bringing it home. And this these are the two cities that were battling for the crown of best sports city in the country on the year 2020. Tampa Bay Lightning, they won the Stanley Cup Final. Tampa Bay, the Rays, Dodgers, this was it. It was to decide, since there's no basketball team in Tampa. It was to decide who the championship city was, and bing, bang, boom, Dodgers get it done. But don't lose hope, Tampa. You still got the Bucks who are rolling. We'll get to them in a bit, though. But congratulations to the Dodgers. You know, they were the best team. Throughout this year, they had the best regular season record. You know, they had to do—they had their trials and tribulations through the postseason, but they fought through. They prevailed, came back three-one against the Braves. You know, they—they they took the long road, but they got it done. Good for them. Congrats to the Dodgers on a well-deserved championship. And I, uh, again, I don't want to hear any asterisk talk. Every team was given the same opportunity team was giving the same chance to win. As a matter of fact, they gave teams more chances. They expanded the postseason. They gave more teams an opportunity to upset. There were no big upsets in the first round other than my Chicago Cubs going down to the Miami Marlins. But some will say that wasn't that big of an upset. It just... Every team had the best chance, yeah, shortened season. I love the marathon, that is the 162 games for Major League Baseball, but they, they had to make do with what they had. 60 games was the best opportunity they had to fill a season. They had no other option, no other way to get things done, it's what they had to do. So I'm not gonna say any asterisk talk, there's nothing along that, it's the best team won The Dodgers won fair and square, and you know, they are world champions of 2020. Well-deserved after that fan base has gone, they've gone through a lot. They've gone through a lot of losing a lot of big postseason series, and then having the Astros cheating scandal come out against them, then the Boston cheating scandal came out against them. I mean, it was really only a matter of time for this Dodgers team to put it all together, and they did just that. Corey Seager won MVP. He had like 400 for the series. He was incredible. He was the best player throughout the postseason, except for maybe a Tampa Bay Ray player in Randy Unruzuna. I mean, he was a beast. I butchered his name right there, but the rookie. I mean, he has more home runs than Barry Bonds does in the postseason. Think about that. A rookie has more home runs than Barry Bonds in the postseason. And it took them 11 less games to do it. Wow, wow, it was a great baseball year. It was very, you know, I wasn't extremely happy with the outcome, I didn't want the Dodgers to win, like I said, but it was a great baseball year and it was as good as it could have possibly been. I know they struggled a long time to decide how they were gonna do this this season, even if they were gonna have a season, but they managed to get it done. And I'm glad they had a season. And, you know, can't wait for next year. 2021, I'm looking forward to it. Baseball, it's a wrap. Dodgers, world champs, good for them. Topic number two. I mean, the NFL season, we just keep moving right along. Week nine. Week nine. We're almost in double-digit weeks for the NFL season. It is just flying by. What I want to talk about with the NFL We're going to do a breakdown. Top five games of week nine. It's going to be a good week. There's a lot of good games. As a matter of fact, Thursday, November 5th, Packers against the 49ers. That's actually not one of the games, but I think it will be a good game tonight. You know, Packers, their team that's looking for Super Bowl. 49ers have had a lot of injuries. Garoppolo's hurt again. George Kittle is out too. They're just 49ers are just hobbled all across their roster. But should be a good game tonight. Aaron Jones is supposed to suit up. So Thursday night football, at least it's a good matchup. That's what it comes down to. When these Thursday night games come on, it's like, who's the matchup? Like, who's actually playing? Like, do I have to watch the Bengals against the Jaguars? Oh, thank God. No, I actually get to see a team that's at the top of their division and another team that was just in the Super Bowl last year. So, actually a good matchup, but that's not one of the matchups I wanted to talk about. The first one, Bears versus the Titans. And my Chicago Bears. You know, they started the season five and one. They've lost two in a row. They play the Titans. Titans were just in the AMC Championship game last year. They've looked like one of the surprise teams this year that have been playing Willie really Well, spoke about it. Derrick Henry, as of right now, is the top running back in the league. This is a true test game for the Bears. Like, this is where the schedule got tough. They just lost to the Saints. You know, like, this is, these were the games that we were going to judge the Bears on. I didn't believe in the 5-1 start even as a Bears fan. I saw the teams that they won. I saw how they won. You know, I went in very pessimistic. I've given my thoughts on the Bears. I, it's the quarterback play, and Foles does not look dynamic. Now, the offense doesn't look dynamic at all for the Bears. At all all like the defense I've spoke about it many times the defense will keep the Bears in games and can the offense execute and against the Saints no no the Bears offense could not execute Nick Foles looks pedestrian out there like the Bears are still looking for the franchise quarterback and I don't think they're going to find it anytime soon I have I have no faith that the front office can find the franchise quarterback. So, But Titans, on the other hand, they come off a loss to the Bengals. Pretty shocking loss for them. Derrick Henry, like I said, still best running back in the league. He looked great. But the Bengals surprised the Titans. Got the W. Now, good for the Bengals. But Titans are still one of the top teams in the conference for the AFC. Yeah, they've lost to the Steelers lost to the Bengals but still a very good team got to worry about him Tannehill is still you know he's an above average quarterback as he's played throughout the entire year I'm still not a big believer in Tannehill but they still have a lot of weapons in Tennessee it'll be a good game Bears my winner in this game you know I want to pick the Bears to win but the Bears don't beat good teams and it's very sad to say that as a Bears fan. Yes, they had the Thursday night win against the Bucks When the Bucks committed 11 penalties off a short week, yep, that's when the Bears got a victory against the Tampa Bay Bucks. But when they have to fully prepare, when a team gets to fully prepare for them, it's, it's rough. They look terrible against the Rams. It was a good game against the Saints. Saints were the better team against the Bears. Uh, the Bears just don't beat good teams. Uh, look at the teams they beat. They beat the Lions. They beat the Falcons. Like, I'm not. I'm, the best win they have is against the Bucks, and it was the worst game that the Bucks played the entire season. And kind of a set the tone for the Bucks on how they played of late. Yeah, they had a scary game against the uh, Giants on Monday night, but... I, that was the worst game they played all year, was against the Bears, and here they are rolling now. So, the Bears don't beat the good teams. So, Bears, Titans, I'm actually going to go Titans winning this one. Oh, it hurts to say. It hurts to pick against my Bears, but I got to do it. I got to because I don't believe this team can beat good teams. I really think the Bears clean up on the bad teams. They beat the bad teams. The Bears do not beat good competition. <laughs> and it just kills me to say it. That, yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, but they are going to get bounced. And uh, just pray to the Lord they get a good seeding. Maybe they can win the first-round game if they play the NFC least team. Whoever makes the playoffs out of that, probably going to be the Eagles. But... Again, I wouldn't even feel confident in the Bears beating the Eagles. That's how little faith I have in this Bears team. Love my Bears, but golly. Against the playoff contending teams, they're kind of, they're literally in purgatory. They're like, well, we're not a bad team. We're better than all the bad teams, that's for sure. But, oh, but are we part of the good teams? No, I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that far. So from starting the year... Five and one. I guess I'm going to have them on a three-game losing streak and being at five and four. So, yeah, give me the Titans. Give me the Titans' second big game. Since we were just talking about the Bucks, Bucks versus the Saints. That's right. It's the second matchup. It was the opening night game for the NFL. Saints against the Bucs. Brady on the new team. And the Bucks came out a little flat. And I expect them to take it up a notch here in week nine. They're adding Antonio Brown. They signed him. I think it's gonna be a big signing. I don't know why a lot of people... Okay, if he gets cut and still is having issues, yeah, obviously then it'll have been a bad signing and all that didn't work out. With him on the field, Antonio Brown is gonna be productive. Like, for some reason, him and Tom Brady have good chemistry together. Uh, Antonio Brown is living at Derek Jeter's house where Tom Brady is staying in Tampa. Like, Antonio Brown is living with Tom Brady. Like For some reason, they have a really good connection together. They played one game together in New England, and Brady found Antonio Brown for a touchdown, and then the next week, he got cut from the team due to all his, you know, legal issues. But when Antonio Brown is on the field, he's productive. He's a little different from the other wide receivers on the Bucks. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, they're for sure gonna catch the ball. They can put up good numbers. But the difference between them and Antonio Brown is if they caught it for like a 10 yard gain, Antonio Brown can turn that 10, 15 yard gain into a touchdown. The other two can maybe stretch out another yard, but they don't have the speed that Antonio Brown does. I think Antonio Brown, if healthy and can stay on the field, is a top five wide receiver in the league. And I remember having this argument just a couple of years ago on who the best wide receiver in the league is. I think really, of so right now, there's like three guys who you could even consider better if we're gonna account for what Antonio Brown has done to this point. In the last full season Antonio Brown played, which, yeah, seems like an eternity ago was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He caught 15 touchdown passes from Ben Roethlisberger, and he complained about touches since Juju Smith was getting the ball more than him. Huh? 15 touchdown catches in a full season when the guy can be on the field the whole time. Oh, boy. You're going to give that Brady to already the other weapons that he had? Gronk's finally getting into his own. You know, Godwin... Still has had a lot of injury concerns. He's questionable for the week. Mike Evans has had a lot of injuries. It literally just shirts things up for them. You know, Leonard Fournette should be in the backfield this weekend with Rondell Jones. I, they just have so much depth at the skilled positions. The Bucks, like they're just, Brady couldn't do it in New England. He was like, I got no offensive talent. Where am I gonna go? Somewhere that's gonna give me offensive talent. He went to Tampa and look at this. Everyone has them as one of the top teams in the league. I think Brady is finally getting things put together with this offense. He's like what? I would say he's like the third best quarterback in the league right now behind Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. I guess you could argue maybe Kyler Murray if you want to go really stat-wise, but I would say those are the top three guys, Brady, Mahomes, Wilson. You know, obviously Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, you know, those guys are up there as well. But I think those three are kind of in a pack of their own. Brady has been incredible ever since that first game Dud, when everyone would just hit the panic button of, oh, did Tom Brady make a mistake? Oh, he's turned it around. Now it's redemption time. They're going to unleash Antonio Brown. And I don't think the Saints are going to be ready for it. And Brady is not a dink and dunk quarterback that Drew Brees is. Drew Brees can't throw the ball 15 yards down the field. Michael Thomas, still questionable. I don't think he's going to play. Like, the Saints have locker room issues. Like, they definitely have issues within their organization. And I don't know if they're going to be able to figure it out come postseason time. I mean, they've got bounced early. The Saints are another one of those teams. I don't believe in that much. You know, I think Drew Brees is now very limited with his arm. He just doesn't air the ball out down the field. They rely a lot, almost a little too much on Alvin Kamara to run this offense. It's just, I don't know. I see the Saints treading in the wrong direction even after beating the Bears. But like I said, Bears don't beat playoff teams. Like, beating the Bears only says so much about your organization. And so, it's going to be a good game, though. I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. Definitely has the most to say because it's the two top teams of the, of the NFC South. And uh, I'm going to pick the Bucs. I'm riding high on the Bucks. Bucs. I know, I know. Close game against the Giants on Monday Night Football. That was set up. Like, of course that was going to happen. A lot of people even had the Giants winning that game, getting their second win of the year. It was just set up to be one of those games where the Giants win, Bucs manage to hold on. Now, I think they're going to really make a statement. I think the Bucs, this is what they do. They make statement games. They had that big blowout win against the Packers. Statement game. Look at us. Look at what we're doing now. I think against the good team, the Bucs, they're going to make statements. They're making a statement here this weekend. Give me the Bucs against the Saints. Going to be a good game. Going to be a good game. Third game, Seahawks against the Buffalo Bills. Look, MVP Russell Wilson continues to do his thing. I mean I mean talk about a guy who has carried an organization and doesn't get enough credit for it. He's finally getting the credit he deserves because that defense hasn't been there. They have no they don't get to the quarterback. They have no pass rush. Secondary hasn't been there. I, I, where is Jamal Adams? Uh, he's gone non-existent since being traded from the Jets to the Seahawks. I have not heard his name once other than saying that DJ Metcalf is Megatron 2.0. I don't believe in that statement, but that's topic for another day. Like, where, where is he? Where is this defense? He he has to be hurt. But this Seahawks team, they're just... Wilson is absolutely incredible. I uh, he's my MVP pick for this year. I had him at the start of the year, he's playing like it. And he's going up against a team that has struggled the past few games. I know the record doesn't say as such since they narrowly got a victory but the Bills, uh, you know, it's not it hasn't been easy. Josh Allen has he ha- started out the year fan fantastic. I mean, he was playing great. He was doing his thing. He was doing exactly what they wanted him to do. Now, what's going on? Well, they've struggled. They've struggled. Josh Allen has turned the ball over. I I don't know. I thought this team was a little better because I thought where what Josh Allen was playing like to start the year made me believe that this team could have Super Bowl aspirations. I think, you know, he'll figure it out as the year goes on. But they narrowly got a win against the Patriots, and frankly, I think they would have lost that game had Cam Newton not fumbled the ball in the final drive. Like The Patriots were moving the ball down the field against this Bills defense that's really good. Like Cam Newton was doing it with no weapons, and had he not turned the ball over, I think the Patriots would be walking away with a W there. And then the week before, 18-10 against the Jets, and the Jets are atrocious, an absolute embarrassment. But, you know, the Bills got to like where they're at. They kind of like it, 6-2. and two. <laughs> I mean, what's there not to like? The problem is that point differential. You know, they're not getting the points that you want. They're not being as productive on the offensive end as we thought they were going to be. But against this Seahawks defense that hasn't been able to stop anyone, they can't stop a nosebleed right now. Every quarterback that goes, uh, we were saying Cam Newton was an MVP consideration after he played the Seahawks for how well he played. I expect it to be a bounce back game for Josh Allen. But with that being said, Seahawks, I mean, Wilson just does so much. DJ Metcalf, definitely one of the top receivers in the league. Got a lot of weapons. It's going to, and it's such a good game, I'm going to, I'm going with the Seahawks. Give me Wilson. Wilson's going to get this one done. Sierra is going to give him that extra motivation. He needs to be great. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Seahawks against the Bills. So, yeah, there we go. Fourth game, another one, Uh, Ravens-Colts. Another just great game. Both teams have just two losses they're both five and two yeah I mean, i'm not that big a believer in the colts just because i've never been that big of philip rivers fan and i mean he's not giving me any reason to believe that. the defense is carrying that team the defense has been spectacular for the colts i mean philip rivers has 10 touchdowns and six interceptions he hasn't been great i know we want to you know diminish Lamar Jackson and say, "Oh, when his team is down, he doesn't come back." Look, they're 5 and 2. You know, they they have just two losses. And again, I could say the same thing about the Colts, you know. They 5 and 2, there's no reason to hit the panic button on this team. Yeah, after just winning MVP, maybe he hasn't excelled the way we thought he was going to in Lamar Jackson coming into this year. But they have a lot of weapons and the defense is still very strong for this team. They still they're just so much talent with the Ravens that I still think they can compete with the best teams in the NFL. I still like their chances as a Super Bowl contender. There's no reason to just completely write them off just because they have two losses and, oh, they lost to the Steelers. Like, the Steelers are undefeated. They lost by four. It was a close game. It was a close game. Yeah, the Eagles came back against them the week before and Eagles still lost. Ravens managed to walk away with that victory in Philadelphia, but I'm not just gonna write this Baltimore team off like everyone else seems to. They still have a lot of talent. Lamar Jackson is still young enough to learn, keep developing. You, know, you can say whatever you want about his mechanics, how he throws. If oh, the league has figured it out. He's still one of the most dynamic players this league has ever seen. I expect him to get better. I expect the Ravens to keep improving as the years, as the year goes on. The Colts. I know the defense is good. The defense is talented. But this is a team that gave 25 million dollars to Phillip Rivers like a 38 year old Philip Rivers. For some reason we'd love to put Philip Rivers in the class of these older veteran quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. We just like to just sneak his name right in there too. Oh, and Philip Rivers. No. Philip Rivers does not belong amongst those type of quarterbacks. Philip Rivers doesn't win playoff games. Philip Rivers has never won a Super Bowl. He's never been to a Super Bowl. He's never even smelled that kind of glory. Why the Colts believed in him like that is beyond me. It's just... It's why I won't believe in the Colts for the rest of the year. They could finish with whatever record they want. I will never believe in them as Super Bowl... True Super Bowl contenders because of Phillip Rivers. He holds them back. He's old. He has looked weak this year. I mean, you saw the writing on the wall last year with the Chargers. He is falling back. He is falling off. Old man Rivers is learning what father time is. He struggled. I don't think this Colts defense is going to figure out Baltimore. I think Baltimore is winning this one. So give me Baltimore. Baltimore against the Colts. I'm taking Lamar Jackson. Bounce back game for the Ravens. It's going to put people back on track. Get them, Realize what the Ravens are. This is the prove-it game for the Ravens. I expect to prove it this weekend. They can, they can get it done. They can get it done. Go Ravens, go. Final game that I want to talk about that I think will be great this coming week nine of the NFL season Dolphins against the Cardinals. Cardinals had big-time win against the Seahawks the other week. I'm Just wow. Kyler Murray is incredible. The, the hookup he has with DeAndre Hopkins has been stupendous. Defense isn't as good as I thought it would be. I thought Patrick Peterson would be a little... A little better. He hasn't looked that great. He hasn't looked like one of the top corners that I've expected him to be the past few years, but they've had other guys step up. Very dynamic offensively. Cliff Kingsbury showing me that he belongs um, and deserves some respect as an NFL coach. I didn't think he was much in college, but he's showing uh, what he's capable of here with Kyler Murray. and You got to like where the Cardinals are at. They're looking like a really solid team. They play in the best division in the NFL, that being the NFC West, it's by far the best division. I don't know how anyone can say otherwise. It's not even close when you look at it top to bottom. I mean, the worst team right now is the 49ers and they were just in the Super Bowl last year. If that makes you think any way about it. Cardinals are 5 and 2. 5 and 2, they might be the one team, you know, we always have that one team who makes the jump from first to worst in their respective division. Cardinals are showing it. They just beat the Seahawks, a team that's at the top of the division. But Dolphins. Let me give credit to the Dolphins. Second in. Now they're not in a good division. Patriots have struggled. Jets are the worst team in the league. They got the Bills though. The Dolphins, four and three. I think they. The reason they started uh, Fitz Magic at the start of the year instead of just giving the reins to Tua Tonga Vailoa, I think no matter what, Tua was going to come in eventually but I think it came on quicker than expected because I think this team realizes that they're actually pretty good and that they can make the postseason and possibly make something happen. And all these other rookie quarterbacks are going off. I mean, Joe Burrow is looking like the number one pick for the Bengals, looking like a leader, looking someone who can put them in the right direction. Justin Herbert, while the Chargers aren't winning games, he is showing that he can do things offensively that not many other quarterbacks in this league can do. Justin Herbert has looked fantastic. As a rookie, out of Oregon, man, I didn't see it coming, not like this. Not the kind of numbers he's putting up. He's one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league right now. The guy is finding touchdowns left and right all over the place, doing it with his feet, doing it with the arm. He does it all. He's one of those just the new age of quarterbacks. and can just do it a number of different ways. But Tua... Like, if you're the Dolphins, you got to give the rookie a chance to prove himself. Like, go show, if the other rookies are having this kind of success, like you might as well ride with your guy and see what he can do. Give himself a chance to prove it. And I think the Dolphins realize, well, Brian Flores was like, hey, I think we're better than we are. And Fitzmagic is a career backup. You know what you're going to get from Ryan Fitzpatrick? He's going to come in, one game he's going to shock you, throw for 400 yards, five touchdowns. Next game, he's going to lay a goose egg, give you like 160 yards, throw two or three interceptions, and you'll be like, all right, we're going to hover around mediocre. Whereas, I think Tua, well, he wasn't great in his debut against the Rams. I mean, they won the game. They won the game. He didn't look great. He went up against a good defensive team, but... I expect him to get better. I think he they realize that Tua gives them the best chance to win football games on Sunday. And if you're seeing it in practice that Tua is better than Fitzmagic, why not ride with him? I understand the injury concerns are there with Tua. You know, he's missed time in college at every level. But, I don't know, you get, you got to give the rookie a chance. If you brought him in to be the franchise quarterback and the guy that... Uh, was taken behind him. You know, Tua was picked before Herbert. Or am I mistaken? I can't remember off the top of my head. But either way, the guy who was picked before or after Justin Herbert is playing phenomenal. Like, you got to give Tua a chance to prove himself because you drafted him to be the franchise guy. You drafted him to be the franchise guy. I don't believe these rumors of what people are saying are like, oh, they're auditioning Tua so in case they... They have the Texans pick they could they could pick a quarterback next year No, I don't think that's what this is they're not auditioning to prove it Tua's the guy I think they're finally giving Tua a chance to run this offense show that he can be the guy the leader of the team and you know I expect Tua to get better as the year goes on and for the Dolphins to keep projecting in the right direction with that being said though with all the Dolphins hype that I've just given them going to pick the Cardinals in this one. Look, Eric, Kyler Murray has looked like an MVP candidate. He's definitely up there. He's definitely going to get some votes this year. He's been very dynamic. He's untouchable like he's so little so quick so fast has such a great arm he's untouchable he's a smart player too he doesn't take the big hits like he knows how to slide that baseball iq is helping him out immensely knowing how to slide at the right time and slide properly and not put yourself in a bad position so i'm going to take the cardinals so with the five games of the week just a quick little recap got the Bears playing the Titans. Give me the Titans. Bucks against the Saints. Give me the Bucks. Seahawks against the Bills. Give me the Hawks. Fourth game, Ravens versus the Colts. Give me the Ravens. Final game, Dolphins versus the Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals. Just to mention, you know, last week, I did pretty... Last time I did this, I did pretty well. I went 4-1. and one. I got four of the five right, so... Uh, all right, did I do 3-2? and two? Um, I might have did three. No, I went 4-1 and one with that Seahawks win... Uh, Seahawks loss against the Cardinals, so... God, God, I'm smart. God, I'm smart. Let's go. Huh? Topic number three. Big vote tonight for the NBA. They're going to vote on when the season starts. We got two projected start dates. The closer one being December 22nd of that right this year 2020. That's when the season could start. They're voting on this tonight. The other date, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, January 18th is the other projected start date. So the difference between each start date. If they were to start on the 22nd, it would be a 72 game season with a actual all-star break that takes place in the middle of the season and then I it runs I believe they said the season would run till like July like the, the finals would end in July like early July middle early July so 72 game season actual all-star break and The league obviously wants to start sooner, you know, more money, more revenue. You know, it's projected that they could lose a billion dollars if they start a month later. Whereas, you know, if they start January 18th, it's said it's only going to be a 60 game season. Season ends in around August, and with no all star break. I don't think there would be an all-star break if they started January 18th, just because they were about to confined time. They still got to give guys proper rest. All this, all that. Look, it's no perfect situation. We're dealing with COVID. The pandemic is still in full throttle right now. I mean. Because the numbers are off the rails. That is what it is. So teams got to do what they got to do. I think the NBA, though, they want to get back on track with when, how the season usually plays out. You know, training camp starts in September, October, get right into the regular season in October, NBA finals in June. I think it hurt the ratings a little bit that the NBA had to compete against these other sports when they usually don't have to. Usually during that June time, NHL is over. There's no football to worry about. Baseball's in the dog day. So, what are we going to do? We're going to tune into some NBA basketball there in the months of May and June. That didn't happen this year. They were going up against baseball. They were going, postseason baseball. They were going up against the NFL. And we know the NFL juggernaut that it is for the ratings-wise. Anyways, I digress. So, those are the two dates. It's being voted on tonight. The preferred day I would ask. Actually, like them to start. Look, there's no there's no perfect science to it. But obviously, the more games, the better. I would like them to start December 22nd, just so we get more games in. The only problem with that is star players, specifically for the Lakers, and you know, the heat, I guess, to a point they're a pretty young team, but for the Lakers especially, LeBron is entering year 18. If he just won the championship a couple weekends ago in October, and you're like, okay, we're going to start the season in six weeks, be ready for training camp in a month. Like, what most. The usual offseason for the NBA is 140 days. Another reason they're trying to start earlier and so they can participate in the olympics the nba originally said that they were going to go through the olympics they weren't going to worry about it now i'm sure they got a little pushback from some of the foreign players and i'm sure some of the american players as well would be like i want to represent my country i want to put on a show in the olympics i want to showcase my talent to the world like it's the olympics it's the biggest stage for most athletes out there is the Olympics? It's people dedicate their lives to it. So I think they got a little pushback, and I think they were understanding. All right, we want, we want to part. We want our players to participate in the Olympics. So I think that's why the NBA. Another reason they're pushing for the 22nd start date. But the usual offseason is like 140 days. They get a lot of time off to get their body right, rest up, get the proper training, get themselves back healthy and ready for another 82-game grind. Now you're asking LeBron? Hey, you got two months off. Hope you're ready to come back and play high-octane basketball. And Danny Green spoke about this. He said, if they plan on starting the season in December, don't expect the star players to play the first month. Yeah, don't blame them. Honestly, it's almost a little under- understandable to me, especially a guy like LeBron, who, like I said, you're 18, the guy has played so many minutes. And to ask him to not get his typical recovery, for him to be ready for next postseason, yeah. I expect him to take games off to start the year. Uh, I expect it. For a lot of these other teams, of course not. They're not going to do this. The likes of teams that are going to bounce back, like the Golden State Warriors, like Steph Curry, if they have a 72-game series season, Steph Curry is going to play 72 games. If he can't, if, if he's healthy enough to. Uh, injuries, not a concern. Yeah, like a lot of teams can still play 72 games. I'm not worried about the Bucks. Giannis. He can play 72 games. First of all, he's young enough. The Bucks got bounced early in the playoffs. A lot of the teams who... Yeah, made the playoffs, but got bounced in the first, second round. I don't feel too bad for it. It's the teams that made it to the conference finals that had to play hard-nosed basketball just a couple of months ago, literally just a month ago, and we expect them to come out and play high-octane basketball right away after a couple months. I don't feel sorry for them. You know, they get the best medical care treatments in the world. You know, they get world-class chefs. They get world-class travel. You know, they play in great arenas. They got great facilities. They got the be- best medical teams. You know, I don't feel bad for them of like, oh, you got to put a little more stress on your body. Wah, wah, wah. Your millions of dollars can make up for it. But I still want it to be good basketball. I still want to see the best players. But with that being said, I still want to see the most games possible. So I'm okay with a 20-second start date. Frankly, I'm okay with either day. Uh, I'm okay with however they decide to do it. I'm okay with it. I don't... Really, I don't have a preference one over the other, other than I just want to see more basketball games. That's the only reason I'm more in favor. And then we get Christmas Day games. Yeah, we love, nothing better than waking up on Christmas Day, throwing on the TV and having basketball from noon till 10 o'clock at night. Ten hours of just straight basketball. Oh, it's beautiful. It's one of the best parts about the NBA. We always get great matchups, too. You know, we'll get maybe we'll get Lakers against the Warriors or you know a rematch of the finals or they'll play the Clippers and then you get other just great matchups. Maybe you throw the Rockets on there, you throw the Nuggets on there, you, know, you throw the Bucks on there, you throw the Raptors on there, you throw the Nets on there. Now that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving coming back, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. I want to see the best teams play against each other, and that's what a Christmas Day slate does. It usually pairs up the best teams against each other. So that's why I'm in favor of December 22nd. They vote on it tonight. I will say it will get approved. The NBA season should start December 22nd, 2020. Let's go. Let's go, and apparently they're going to play in home arenas. We'll see how it works for fans. Yeah, I always go back to this. If the NFL, yeah, these first of all, these stadiums can occupy a basketball arena can occupy twenty thousand plus. easily. Okay, you can fit three, four, or five thousand people in there, socially distanced, spaced out. I just went to a MLS game the other night. Orlando City played the Columbus Crew. Just happened yesterday, November fourth, and. Yeah, it was socially distanced, fans were there. Yeah, it wasn't packed. I think they let in like 4,000, 5,000 people if I remember hearing correctly. But it was spaced out, yeah. I had to wear my mask, had was socially distanced from the people who were in my party and the parties around me. No one was close to each other. You could see it was spaced out all throughout the stadium. It worked out perfectly. It could be done. You can have fans for sporting events moving forward will it be at 100 percent capacity if we ever get to that point boy i certainly hope so because it just changes the atmosphere of sporting events but it was still a good crowd the other night at the game uh, i want fans in the stands if the nba is going to start i think they're a little cautious they're going to make the necessary changes to make that happen whether you know we're not going to have people to there's no such thing as courtside seats anymore I can tell you that. At least not for next year and possibly moving into years after that. Like, they're not going to have people sitting directly next to the players in case of, you know, causing infections, that, and whatnot. But, yeah, don't make the necessary changes. I remember at the MLS game, I think it was like five or six rows they left between the field. And then the closest fans in the stand, it was like five or six rows that they left empty. So it could be done. You can give players the necessary space they need to feel that they can be healthy and not have to worry about getting corona from a fan. And the necessary steps can be taken to allow fans. So I think the NBA will have fans next year. And I can't wait. I live in Orlando. Get me to a magic game. I want to see basketball in person. I got it. I need to see it because there's nothing better than in-house basketball. Topic number four. Let's keep it in the NBA. It's been away for so long. A lot of news has happened, but obviously the biggest news of front office signings has got to be Daryl Morey becoming The president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's right. He was formerly with the Houston Rockets, hyping up James Harden as one of the greatest players ever. He was flipping trick players left and right. He's like, we're going to go small ball. No such thing as centers. We're getting rid of Capella. Uh, Bring in Robert Cubbington a couple years ago. We're bringing in Chris Paul and that all this past year, you know, let's bring in Russell Westbrook, you know, he just loves to flip superstars, you know, construct different dynamic rosters to try and put themselves in championship contention. I think, is there a method to his madness? It remains to be seen. The Rockets were just in the Western Conference Finals a couple years ago, Chris Paul got hurt, they were up 3-2 against the The Warriors, you never know what could happen if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, but, you know, the Rockets lost, and we never, you know, they were never really looked at as true championship contender over the the juggernaut that was the Golden State Warriors, and that, but Maury just loves to make a lot of moves. Like he's all, It's almost like he's on GM mode in 2K, and he's just trying to trade guys left and right and just give them a year, give them one opportunity to get it done. They don't get it done. All right, we move on to the next. I don't really like that way of thinking. Sure, it'll deliver short-term results. If you want to be an exciting regular season team that brings in a lot of storylines, that makes a lot of trades, yeah, that's what's going to happen. If you fill up the headline sheet, yeah, you're gonna a lot of eyeballs are gonna be on your team, you're gonna get a lot of recognition, a lot of notice. But then postseason time when the teams the game slows down, you know, you gotta rely on big guys, you know, it's still the NBA, they're still freaks in nature. Like PJ Tucker can't be guarding Nikola, the Nikola Jokic's of the world, the Anthony Davises of the world. Six five PJ Tucker, I'm six foot five. I could not guard Anthony Davis, and there's a six-inch height difference. P.J. Tucker is a phenomenal defender, but when it really comes to postseason basketball, you can't have small forwards guarding centers throughout the course of an entire game. It's just not going to win. I think that's why the Rockets fell short. I think that's why the Rockets moved on a little bit, too. They saw that... What we had with D'Antoni and Mori what they were trying to do is not going to be how we win a championship. But I think Mori is a smart enough basketball mind to where he deserved another job. And that's why he got another job with the 76ers almost within a day or two of stepping down from the Rockets. So, And it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they have a, a duo that I don't believe in. Like, Ben Simmons' lack of offense ability and his ability to shoot holds that team back. And now, that you're bringing in a guy like Maury who's very reliant on analytics to drive your basketball team and drive your basketball organization, and there's a guy on your team where analytics are like, shoot the three, threes and layups, that's what we want. Threes, layups, and dunks, and free throws, that's what we're looking for. That's what That was Maury's bread and butter. When you look at just James Harden's game, he takes no mid-range shots anymore. Now you have a player who controls the ball and Ben Simmons who refuses to shoot. It's going to cause problems. It almost makes me think that they're going to look for a trade. And of course, the trade rumors already coming up are that the 76ers are going to look to try and acquire James Harden. Now, how that trade would play out, eh. I I don't see much of it happening. I know Maury is going to do everything in his power, but look, the Rockets, it would be a bad trade for them to give up James Harden. He's one of the top players in the league. And look, not to discredit Simmons or Embiid, but neither of them are top ten players in this game today. Is not. Not at this moment in time. Could they get there? Sure. Maybe if Ben Simmons actually shoots the ball and can make it consistently? Sure. Of course, he's already one of the best defensive players in the league, and all he needs to do is develop that offensive game, but he has shown no offensive growth in his three years in the league. Maybe he'll make the jump in year four, but I doubt it. So, I'm confused on how the 76ers think they're going to acquire a player like James Harden. You you have to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. There's no way the Rockets, whoever takes control of that team, in their right mind, would make that trade without getting one of those two players. Like, who are you going to trade? Oh, you know what? Give us Al Horford and a couple role players and you're going to have James Harden. No. Teams are not that stupid. Okay, Teams are not that incompetent to believe that you can that they would just give you the top talent and you don't have to give up your top talent. It's happened before, no doubt, but I don't see it happening. So you got to give up either Simmons or Embiid. I don't know if the 76ers are even if the 76ers offer that, if the Rockets would take Simmons for Harden or Embiid for Harden. I don't know if they would do that. I see Harden as the better player of all three of them. I think you're going to match Russell Westbrook up with Ben Simmons, two guys who can't shoot? Oh, that's not going to work. (laughs) That wouldn't work at all. And it goes, Russell Westbrook and Joel Embiid, yeah, I can see working. But I also see the 76ers would rather hold on to Embiid over Simmons. I just feel like Embiid wants it a little more than Simmons. And I feel he's the better player to this point as of right now and where both players stand in their career. I would rather have him beat on my team than Sim. So the, the Daryl Morey is going to have his hands full. He's talking like, oh, we have the championship caliber team to do this, and now reports are that they want to trade for James Harden, so how much do you actually believe that? <laughs> you must not believe it very much if you already want to trade for a guy who is on your former employer's team. So, I just, Maury has his hands full. He's a smart basketball mind. Is he a a championship mind for the NBA? Remains to be seen. I don't see it. As of right now, at this point in time, I do not see him winning a championship in the league with his idea of, oh, I'm going to trade for stars and shuffle stars in and shuffle stars out. Uh, I don't think that wins championship. I think you got to have a set foundation, build your way up, earn your stripes, win the championship. It's usually how it goes. And he's going to have his hands full. Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and that cast of misfits of Horford, Harris, Richardson. I, this, he's got to do a lot. Maury, His notebook on what this team needs to fix is full, and he's going into the second notebook trying to figure out ways to do it. So 76ers have a long uphill climb. I still think it's a good signing though. it pushes them in the right direction, at least to get better on track than where they were. But I I don't think they're gonna become true championship contenders. Um, just that quickly. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Unless maybe they can't. If they could pull off a trade where they can get Harden but don't have to give up Simmons and Embiid, that's a game changer. That would be the best three players on any team in the league. I would take those three over anyone else in the league, whoever you throw them up against. Eh, maybe not anyone, but still. We'll see. 76ers, good luck to you. Good luck, Maury. You're going to need it topic number five we're going to stay in the nba because the season has been wrapped up for weeks now that means we are just getting closer to nba free agency november 18th is the day that free agency begins you know teams are already making behind the scenes deal a little hey you know we're going to offer this to you. You can't sign it until then. You know, I'm sure there have already been agreements on where guys are going to sign. So real quickly, we're going to do this for a couple episodes, building up until that November 18th day of who are the best available free agents. I'm going to give you my top five on who I think the best guys available in the league are as of right now how their contract is situated how they some of these guys yeah technically maybe not free agents they can become one but maybe they're technically not free agents but some of them are restricted unrestricted one has a player option so let's get into my top five free agents right now before anyone has been signed the first guy the best big man in the league, champion woke up a champion number three from Chicago, Anthony Davis. Look, so that's why he's the number one free agent. He has a player option. So obviously, winning the championship. Well, I'm just. This is pretty much giving him his shine because I believe he's opted out of his player option. But he's go- it's a for-sure thing that he's going to re-sign with the Lakers. You never know. Maybe something comes up and he just happens to jump ship after winning a championship. I wouldn't believe it. It would be one of the harder things I'd have to believe if he were to pull a move like that. But, you know, we've seen crazier things happen in this league before. So, uh, you yeah, know, he's player option. I think he's going to sign. I don't know if he's going to sign long, long term. I see him doing what superstar players do now. They give themselves flexibility. I see him signing like a two-year deal with a third year as a player option to be able to get out of it, to be able to sign another big contract. It's gonna be for the max, obviously, because he's a max contract player, best big in the league. You know, Him and LeBron James are the best duo. I imagine he doesn't want to leave so, I think he's going to sign with the Lakers. Like I said, not long-term. Sign like that two, three-year deal. And, you know, give himself a chance to earn another contract, earn more big money. And But I expect him to play with LeBron James for hopefully the rest of LeBron James's career. Because at this point, with LeBron going on year 18 with what he just had to do to win his fourth championship. But he's definitely looking to turn the reins over to Anthony Davis to run this team. Uh, Like, I imagine, like, they spoon-fed Anthony Davis possessions. I remember watching pretty much every Laker game this year, and it was, okay, I'm going to feed Anthony Davis the ball. LeBron knew, feed, feed AD. That's the reason he led the Lakers in points. AD got a lot of possessions, a lot of opportunities to score the ball. He's going to get more of those because LeBron is getting older. Father time hasn't necessarily kicked in. LeBron's game hasn't fallen off, but God, going on year 18, he's going to be 36 years old. I mean, he knows. He knows he needs another guy to rely on. Who better to rely on than the best big man in the league? So I expect Anthony Davis to re-sign with the Lakers. So, but he's still, uh, he still will technically be a free agent. So that's why I had to mention him because he is by far top of the list, no doubt about it, the number one free agent, even if he's not even going to be on the market like that um, necessarily. So second guy, though, is a guy who could go a number of different ways. I don't think it's a for sure thing that he's going back to his team. That would be one Fred Van Fleet. That's right. Toronto Raptors, I don't know, point guard, shooting guard, backup, whatever he is, six man, you know, he just comes off the bench and plays phenomenal for them, puts up buckets in seconds, I mean, just such a quick score, he's got a great shot, Uh, he almost became pretty much their number one option with the way uh, Siakam was playing, he became their number one scoring option real quick. Uh, He's a really good player. I like Van Fleet and what he did in the finals. Really showcased what he's capable of doing. A lot of teams are going to offer him contracts. I I would expect, though, that the Raptors are going to try everything in their power to bring him back. I mean, he is central to that team's core. With Lowry, Siakam, Van Fleet. Those are the guys I expect them to rely on moving forward. I... I think he's going to stay with Toronto, but he's definitely the you know top guy at the list. Just with how he's played the past couple of years, the offensive production he puts up, he's a bucket, a walking bucket. Mr. Fred Van Fleet, definitely going to be the second most prize-free agent if he can even... Like I said, if you consider Anthony Davis a free agent at this point, I would say Fred Van Vliet is second, you know. He's got that championship pedigree. It's just a really good player. Really good, capable player, and if a team if he's your starter, if he's your starting shooting guard, oh, your team can your team can be dangerous. Your team can be dangerous with mr one Mr. Fred Van Vliet. Third guy. Most improved player of the year, Brandon Ingram. So it should be noted, Fred VanVleet, unrestricted free agent. He can sign anywhere. Uh, Raptors can't match a contract. they got to make the best offer. Fred VanVleet can decide wherever he wants to play. Maybe he does want to stay in Toronto. Maybe it's already a foregone conclusion that he knows he ain't going nowhere but you never know what could happen. It's NBA free agency. We can't predict what these players are going to do. We can just make assumptions. So, But with Brandon Ingram, he's a restricted free agent. So the Pelicans can match any offer made his way. With the Pelicans, young team, Stan Van Gundy. Look, it's really going to be what Stan Van Gundy, how he wants to run this team. Obviously, David Griffin is the general manager, will have really the final stay. But, obviously, you're going to listen to your coach and who he wants to coach. And I imagine with how this team is constructed, with them already in the rumors, to look to trade Drew Holiday, and already drawing plenty of interest because he's a great player, I expect they're going to retain Brandon Ingram. Ingram's going to get a lot of offers, so people are going to push the price up on him. He's going to have a nice contract, definitely earned it. Jumped up big time in scoring. He was my pick to win most improved player. He did win it. He just, he's young. What is he, 23, 24, 22? He's young, very young. You know, they're an up-and-coming team, the Pelicans. You know, they got superstar in the making, Zion Williamson. You got Lonzo. Still have True Holiday, but like I said, he looks to be on his way out. They got some free agent flexibility with the cap room. You know, he's a restricted free agent. I expect him to stay, but he's going to have a lot of suitors. I assume some team out there is going to force it up, max contract. And I think the Pelicans will be like, you know what, let's bring him back on that max deal. Because he's shown he's worth it. I expect him to continue to get better, show his offensive game. Still, definitely needs some work on the defensive end. All but who doesn't in today's NBA? So, I expect Brandon Ingram to be back with the Pelicans. And, but he's still the third for, top free agent of the class. Uh, of all the free agents, I would say Brandon Ingram is number three, just with his ability to score the ball. Very dynamic player. He's a dynamic wing, six nine, six ten. He's got great length, just like much like KD. Definitely not the prolific scorer that KD is, but Brandon Ingram can still do his thing. And like I said, with a young up-and-coming team like the Pelicans, he's the kind of guy they want to retain and build pieces around him. You know, you want to build a core. Build a core of players, see, make sure they play well together, and then you bring in the necessary assistance around your core players. That's how the NBA works. It's the fundamental thing. You get your top two players, okay, and then you fill it in with the role players. That's how it goes. So Brandon Ingram will go in next year. As the number one, number two option for this Pelicans team. If they do re-sign him, I expect him to re-sign. He's a good player. I like Brandon Eagle. Fourth guy. Yeah, a guy who really came out of nowhere. And who's definitely, just after a couple months of playing, is going to get some big-time offers. That would be Christian Woods. <laughs> of the Detroit Pistons he is an unrestricted free agent the kick came out of absolutely nowhere I had no idea who he was until this season and when Andre Drummond left for the Cleveland Cavaliers in one of the worst trades ever that made absolutely no sense Uh, he stepped up nicely he averaged like 20 points a game 11, 12 rebounds, shot 40% from three, had a great field goal percentage, was dunking the ball all over the place, was playing great defense. Christian Wood just came out of nowhere, and he's going to have a lot of suitors too, because he's a tall, dynamic player, can play a number of different positions, you can put him at the forward, give him size, he can stretch the floor, he's literally the ideal big man that you want in the game today ideal big man he's got because he has size. He has size. He can stretch the floor. He's athletic. And uh, That's absolutely perfect. And he plays defense and wants to play defense. And I think he's wanting to prove that he can get it done. So expect a number of teams to be suitors for him and he literally this is just because he played well for just a couple months imagine what he can do in a full tenured season with the way he was playing if he could build off what he did the last couple once he took over as starter he averaged plus 20 double digit rebounds shot the great field goal percentage i mean he earned himself a nice contract coming into this offseason it'll be interesting Will he go to a rebuilding team? Will he go to a team that has absolutely nothing going for them and a team like the New York Knicks? Or will a championship team be able to sneak him in and apply him to their championship success? We will see. But I expect him to have a lot of suitors. He's going to get a lot of offers. He's really going to get to pick and choose where he wants to go. Depending on how much money he has or where he wants to be in his career. The fifth and final guy that i got to mention, just because I believe the impact he can bring to a team at this stage of his career and what he's looking to do. And that would be Dino Gallinari. Now for the Thunder last year, he had a pretty good year. He averaged what he averaged, like 16, 17 points. He can still, very prolific score. He, he can get it done on the offensive end. He can be a super nice contributor to any championship contending team. He would be great on the Bucks. He would be amazing with the Lakers. He would be even a, back, a nice fit for the Clippers you know I don't want to see them do well but he would be a nice fit there whatever team has championship aspirations and that's what he said he's not worried about money anymore he wants to win a championship so he's definitely looking to take a smaller contract to be able to compete for a championship and why not he deserves it he's been a Pretty good player throughout his career and his time with the New York Knicks, the Denver Nuggets, the Clippers. You know, he's been a little bit of a journeyman bouncing around teams, but he's still a very good scorer. Uh, He was part of the most shocking team in the league last year with the Thunder. I just like Dino Gallinari as a player. Big guy, 6'9", can defend multiple positions. Not a great defender, but he's serviceable. Uh, I just like him because he's got that veteran – just a veteran. He's just been in the league for a long time and like I said, he could be a very nice contributor to a championship team. I him as the third option for the Lakers. The Lakers didn't have a third option last year. It kept we never knew who it was going to be. You know, who's going to step up? Is it going to be Danny Green? Is it going to be Kyle Kuzma? Is it going to be Antawnius uh, Caldwell-Pope? Well, all of those guys stepped up nicely, and then they had a couple other nice role players with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, stepping into that various role. Rajon Rondo. I would say at the end of the day, Rondo was the third wheel of that team, but he had some injuries, and we didn't really get to see him shine till playoff time. Dino Gallinari, though, would be the for sure third best player, third best option for the Lakers if he were to go there. Every every team that has championship aspirations has already been in contact with Gallinari's agent. Gallinari himself, uh, he wants to put himself in a position to win a championship. He doesn't want to deal with a rebuild. He doesn't want to be a journeyman. He's shown that he can contribute to a playoff team. And I think he could be great for any team that wants to win a championship. So those are my five guys. Anthony Davis, Fred Van Fleet, Brandon Ingram, Christian Wood, and Dino Gallinari. Yeah, there are a lot more free agents. So don't worry. We'll do another list next episode. I'll give you the next five who are the best free agent options outside of this top five. But those are the five top... And now it's time for my unpopular opinion. Look, I'm going to make it real short and sweet. My unpopular opinion, I hope you voted. Because that's right... It was a big election we had this year against the giant douche that was Donald Trump and the turd sandwich that is Joe Biden. We didn't have great options, I can tell you that. Our politics, they don't give us many opportunities. But voting is important because you're not just voting for presidency. You're voting for people who are in the House of Representatives. You're voting for your state senators. You're voting for the people who are part of your state legislature who's going to be part of your state Supreme Court. You're voting on laws that are initiated in your state. It's very important to vote. Voting matters. It affects your life. I can say, through all the presidents we've been through, my life has stayed roughly the same. I haven't seen much of a change from when I was a kid and had George Bush to Obama to uh, Donald Trump. I haven't seen much change in my life. But I can tell you, living state to state is very different because each state has very different laws, that are voted by the people. So voting is very important. That's all I got to say. I hope you voted. Voting matters. Voting is important. And apparently it's an unpopular opinion because not as many people as you think do go out and vote. A lot of people are very against voting. Oh, you're participating in a system of patriarchy and tyranny that has destroyed our livelihood for our entire existence. Eh, no. No, that's not how it works. You know, your voice matters. You have the power to choose who is in charge. As a matter of fact, you can vote for yourself and get yourself to be in charge. So I hope everyone voted, and that's my unpopular opinion. Hope you vote. Go vote. I know voting's over, but I hope you did vote if you could have. Not everyone can vote so I hope you took the opportunity that our founding fathers and our forefathers before us fought for our freedom for our right to choose and have a vote and have a say in our democracy that takes place here in the United States of America and that's the end of episode 35 of the Hang Time with Hauge podcast thanks for listening until next time check me out on social media hit me up listen to previous episodes of the Hang Time with Halgi podcast. And you check out my website. You know, I got some great content going up. So, uh, you know, things to come. Stay tuned. Things are coming on the website very quickly. But as always, remember during this COVID-19 pandemic that continues on and on. Remember Wash your damn hands. Alright, I'm out. Peace.